What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Off the Top Podcast. I'm your host, Julian, with your co-host, Jordan, and we're about to slice and dice the brain and bring a little bit of unwritten code to your lives today. What an intro that was. And we're not talking about Fruit Ninja either, guys. We are talking about the Bushido Code, or other known as, in a translation to English, basically the way of the warrior. And the Bushido Code is something a lot of people may have heard of or seen, you know, in Tom Cruise's The Last Samurai, something that's a little bit more popular over here as a movie because people love Tom Cruise. But this, the Bushido Code goes way, way back and has some very interesting facets in between how this code was made and where this code kind of led some people to go. Absolutely. And so the code itself is basically, you know, tenants and a manual book for Samurai. But the very, very interesting thing is that it was created when there weren't really Samurai, if that makes sense. First, and we might be jumping the gun, we may be doing a podcast later about Samurais, but essentially a Samurai was part of the military nobility or officers of medieval Japan. And they were often referred to as the Bushi or the Buke. And you can see in Bushido that Bushi means warrior and the Do part translates to the way. So the way of the warrior. So the guy who created the book, the Bushido Code, his name was Inazo Nitobi. And when he created it, the intention was never for it to be translated into Japanese which is the most foreign thing I've ever heard. I really want to know what what's going through his mind when he, you know, was essentially saying, "Hey, I'm going to write this and I don't want it to be translated into my native language." Exactly. And I think it was the basically the premise of what I understood from it was that during this time there was a lot of mystery and a lot of intrigue when it comes to samurai. And, you know, this guy who is well-educated, he went to, uh, ended up at Johns Hopkins. He decided, I've never been a samurai, but let me write this book and people will get an idea of what samurai were like. Definitely a very bold move. And kind of what made this stand out was he put in this quote and the quote reads, Bushido, then is the code of moral principles which the samurai were required or instructed to observe. More frequently, it is a code unuttered and unwritten. It was an organic growth of decades and centuries of military career in order to become a samurai. This code has to be mastered. And there's a lot of salaciousness and a lot of things that just make your heart pump a little harder, especially thinking about, wow, this is the code of the samurai. And this is what they live by. And so I get to peer into the window of one of the most majestic warriors that we've ever had in history. These samurais, I wanted to, I kind of just popped in my head when you said that and thinking they're, you know, very majestic from what we know of. But samurais at the time, that samurai time period of medieval Japan, it's like the wild, wild west. Like these samurais were bad dudes. Like, they would test their their swords by cutting people in half to make sure they were strong and sharp enough or in getting to the sharpness point. So kind of that is why this code has started like kind of intrigues interest to why these dudes 
who were very bad on the playing field had an unwritten code. Exactly. And so you kind of, especially if you know samurai history on what these dudes were really like, almost Dennis the Menace-esque, just with like some swords and arrows, then you think like, you know, the tenets of Bushido, let me take a step backwards so you know what we're kind of talking about, how he's portraying these samurai, are justice, and that stands for gi, courage, which is you, benevolence or mercy, which is jin, respect, which is ri, honesty, which is makato, and honor, mayo, and then lastly, loyalty. So those are basically the building blocks of what we are told in this book are what makes a samurai. Now, what I want to preface this as is samurai are a large group of people and some of their tenants, some little sex in those places definitely do have presence of courage, honor, honesty, respect, and things of that nature. But to kind of like blanket every single guy with those principles and said that, you know, they were raised and they were indoctrinated to hold this code is is definitely a reach. And one thing that sometimes falls into their seven virtues and seven tenets is an eighth one, and that is self-control, um, which some people have battled with the idea of that being in there, but it, for the most part, is those seven that Jordan mentioned. And it's really an interestingly vague code is what I thought when I read it. I was like, okay, this is pretty straightforward. This is how some people think in today's society without attributing it to the Bushido code. And like, I'm going to be heroic. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be loyal. Um, you know, I'm going to be compassionate or righteous. And that's how I'm going to live my life. And that's how it's going to be. And that's kind of how the Bushido code stuck out to me. And I was like, wow. Either the person who wrote this at the time really understood, you know, the path of human life to be a standout citizen or how to be really cool. I think this is definitely an instance of a piece of writing that was created almost as propaganda and the fact of it makes everything so much more romantic in the fact of these samurai were you know, warriors of honor, self-control, so many of these just absolutely great qualities to have, especially in this warrior in itself. And it's it's funny to kind of when you look into the history of it all to see that there wasn't much of wasn't much of a lot of things in here. And uh, as the Bushido code is morphed and changed, it kind of slightly pivots uh, in which way or the other. Before uh, Inazo and Toby wrote his book, um, Bushido was related to Koyo Gunkan in the 17th century. And they say this is the man who kind of founded the idea or fostered this idea um, of the Bushido code, even though samurais have been around since the early 13th century. It's almost like from what I picked up in my research, it was like an outsider looking in on a samurai's lifestyle and trying to pinpoint what makes them so strong and what makes them leaders in their military. And to be completely honest, like this is how I would look at, you know, successful athletes today. When I read down the Bushido code, I'm like, well, they probably have these qualities and this quality, and this also fits here. So putting this together, it's going to be this. And then when you learn more about samurais and how 
violent and how they would kill people for fun, essentially. There's kind of this weird disconnect, and maybe that's why it's the unwritten code of the samurai. You delineated something that was very important. Back in the day when these samurai were around, it was more of a working knowledge and not hard tenets and principles of these things that they have to live by. Just because just like now, there are things that are in flux and things that are more like good guidelines. And in some camps, in some particular sects of the samurai, you'd have things like Kakun, which basically um, is like a little saying. And so, for instance, a saying could be when you're attacking your enemy, don't enrage him by, you know, saying insults to him because it's like a Japanese proverb that, you know, an insulted bee will come at you like a dragon or something like that. Not in any disrespectful tune, but that would be like this, like what a tenant would be or, you know, a little bit of advice. But it wouldn't be something as huge and as monolithic as 100% loyalty to your emperor. Because in that day, Japan was super treacherous. One thing I wanted to touch on, too, is when Jordan is saying sex, he is saying S-E-C-S, sex, like a subgroup or a division of the empire. Um, not sex for those with a, a filthy mind. Yeah, like you were saying, there's a lot of weird kind of virtues that you've, not weird, but a lot of virtues that kind of arise during this time. Once again, just kind of cross paths to have finding the most simple connection between them. And I think that is what Jordan was alluding to is where they're kind of drawing that one fiber that may connect these two virtues in some sort together and pulling out into the seven virtues of the Bushido code. Julian, just out of curiosity, when you were doing research on this, did you find a specific tenant or code that you could be like, oh, okay, so this is a, this one is more true than the others in the fact of, you know, all the samurais exhibited this or, you know, there's absolutely not. There's nothing that you can just blanket statement over everybody back in the day. I think based on the research, I found that respect and honor were something that were extremely high for the samurai. And I think that relates to even today in our military and armed forces is that respect and honor that they're given for their position to fight for their country. And in the samurai case, it goes a step further when you start talking about seppuku, when seppuku was being the deed of bravery that was admirable in a samurai who knew he was defeated, disgraced, or mortally wounded. Um, but he knew he did it in a courageous act. So essentially, he then goes on to the cutting of the abdomen which released the samurai spirit in the most dramatic fashion. But it was an extremely painful and unpleasant way to die. And to me, that really shows the respect and honor these samurai had for being samurais and, you know, fulfilling what they thought or what they believed in was their, their life or their destiny. The last thing that they want to do with their life is preserve some sort of honor or respect from their family. And when you said that respect is one of the tenets that you feel like can have a common link between all the samurai, I agree. And almost in a 
opposite way where they are almost fanatical with respect and the fact of samurai were known to cut people down if they had any inclination of oh this guy disrespected me so i'm gonna kill him so in even in that sense granted you talked about a very interesting and almost like self-control type of respect but it also kind of stepped into the you know neurotic in the fact of people were getting killed just because a samurai imagined that they were disrespected in a moment also to that fact the other thing that stood out to me was kind of the benevolence and compassion virtue and not the samurai itself but i found it interesting it kept popping up in my research that when a samurai had done something disgraceful or you know humiliating or um against the samurai code their wife was forced to uh, commit seppuku and you know kill themselves as a punishment for what their husband had done you know what that reminds me the thing that just popped into my head julian and it's probably not the most sensitive thing but it just i ha- it has to be said back in those days i guess it was really important that you don't marry an idiot i couldn't agree more because that is that is something that i mean even when i found the research i was like wow you i guess back then relationships were different you were locked in that is a serious commitment for your husband not you but your husband messing up or losing a battle or forgetting a piece of his equipment or having a weak sword so to speak (laughs) clever and another thing too is i want to paint the picture of samurai's wives so what we think of as a wife today is not exactly the same thing so the way that somebody would become a samurai's wife would literally be by paying money to be the samurai's wife so imagine if you had a stud fee for somebody to hook up with you And then on top of that, it wasn't like a wife and husband type of relationship that we see. Like I mentioned, it was more of a servant type of role for the wives and not as much of a team, you know, a teammate in the game. Yeah, these samurais were, so to speak, pimping themselves out and making their money on the back end, which is very interesting thing. Once again, societies change a lot. Medieval Japan, like we said, was the wild, wild west. There's a lot of things going on, you know, in the samurai world and outside of that on how things were structured to kind of pull back into the Bushido code, you know, go the route of honesty and like heroic courage when I find it hard for it to be, you know, find extreme honesty when someone is paying to be your significant other. Hey, bro, that's a feature, man. I mean, there is gold diggers back then. There's gold diggers now. What do you expect, Julian? Kind of moving into, you know, more more current times, Bushido rose again to popularity in Japan culture during World War II, whereas samurais, part of their, you know, their virtues is the heroic, heroic courage being remembered, you know, heroic death. Um, a lot of participants in the military for Japan in World War II, Bushido was kind of like a marketing strategy. It was like, do as the old samurais do. 
join the army, be heroic, be courage, be relentless, you know, fight for your country, release your spirit, fulfill your destiny type thing. And it, I mean, it worked. It got people to join their, join the military, had, you know, their, their suicide bombers, so to speak, um, in the planes. And, you know, some people weren't, even in Japan, weren't really for using the Bushido code that way because it was kind of like a smoke and mirrors because full-fledged that the people marketing joining the army army knew what was going to happen as you know back then being a samurai was kind of a more prestigious role and you know taking the duty rather than joining the samurai forces to be part of the bushido code if that makes sense there's something that you said that was super super important to reify just when you said a marketing strategy, I think that that couldn't have been said any better. And the fact of it literally from its inception was a marketing strategy to make Japan's history or a big chunk of their history very, very interesting and honorable and romantic for Americans written in English initially. And then when it got back to Japan, Granted, not everybody flocked to it, like Julian said. It was also then used as a marketing strategy for a battle cry for uniting of Japan in fighting in World War II. Another place we see Bushido is in the 753 rule of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, where the 753 rule stands for the seven principles of Bushido, the five keys to longevity, the three Zen minds. So a few different, um, you know, virtues and tendons and ideas coming in together to kind of make a um, fully rounded fighter and lifestyle for Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kind of getting in the correct mental space and understand what you're fighting for. This one is not so much a marketing idea, but more of a, a lifestyle um, incorporation of Bushido. That is also very cool in the fact of even though... It was made for this one thing. Imagine creating a triangle peg and it fits into what you want it to fit in. But then somebody also uses that triangle peg and completely takes it out of your system and plugs it into their own. And I think that that is kind of the ingenuity aspect of human beings and the fact of the tenants and the qualities of the Bushido code that we talked about earlier in this podcast are highly salacious. And something that I feel like people, you know, these morals and principles are very attractive to have as a human being. I mean, to have courage, to be merciful, to have honesty and honor and loyalty. I think those things are very important. So I could definitely see why that was taken and placed into Brazilian jiu-jitsu in a way of kind of like one of their pillars in itself. Jordan, of, you know, the seven virtues, righteousness, courage, benevolence, compassion, respect, honesty, honor, duty, loyalty, and if you want to put self-control in there, what ones do you think you align with best? I can tell you right now, Julian, I if we're going to go fully step in there, I don't think I would make a good samurai. But if it was to, you know, like what all codes would I best like, you know, endemify? I would think that it would probably be somewhere around 
benevolent or merciful. And, uh, you know, depending on how many shots I have, probably a little bit of courage. Once again, I think that these are such true and very, very pure tenets in the fact of you have to embody that. You know, you can't be oriented or redis or, you know, have restitute or justice in your backbone some of the time. It has to be all the time. I would say that those two are definitely probably benevolence and mercy. Yeah, that's one thing I didn't think about for the time was the commitment to to the code, even though it was unwritten, um, understanding the philosophy and the ideology behind it, um, how you know strict samurais were to this, you know, alluding back to what you said about the samurais killing people for, you know, being insulted or insulting them or the idea that they may insult them, you know, that takes a pretty strong will to do for someone making a your mom joke or, you know, your shoes look funny. I don't know what they said back then or thought, but to be like, all right, cool. And then just chop them in half takes a pretty strong will and commitment to these codes. I would argue it's very tough to find today in any philosophy or ideology there is out there. Exactly. In the purest form that it is in Bushido. And another thing that I kind of was picking up that I do relate to more is the kind of undertone and aspect of stoicism that is embodied in the Bushido code. And the fact of, especially the one that you mentioned as far as, you know, self-restraint or self-control and being the master of one's emotions and their, you know, presence and situation in the world, uh, especially with honesty in there. I think that stoicism is one thing that I can uh, align with the most if the Bushido code created the perfect samurai, and I'm putting quotation marks around that, then I would say that that stoicism part is one thing that I feel like I could be more related to than a lot of the stuff that they, you know, that we know about samurai today. Yeah. And one of my, one of the things we isn't really in the the virtues, but it's kind of loosely related to the idea of the Bushido and the samurai is frugality. I'm all about that, saving that money and, you know, valuing my life more than material things. But at the same time, they were getting paid to have wives. So there's a little bit of a skepticism there, but I can't blame them. Maybe we have to do a a full podcast on samurai to really break into the interesting lifestyle that being a samurai was in medieval Japan. Exactly. And once again, I want to take one more step back and preface it as the Bushido Code was created by a guy who was not a samurai who had an objective of making samurais as sexy as possible. So these aren't the true tenets of a samurai. If you look through history, not every samurai embodies these. Some can embody some. It's not truly from what Julian and I have found to be the exact way of the samurai. So I think that this is a code for making almost like a a perfect human being or, you know, like a great warrior um, for back in the day. Just like, you know, I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu finds that in that same tone, but it is not 
you know, what samurai were doing. Exactly. And I mean, maybe that's why we have to dive into, you know, what a samurai was back then and where these discrepancies come for. But if you guys, you know, really like the Bushido code or looking for a new code, I can tell you a new code. That new code is, you know, sharing us on uh, all your favorite platforms. We're on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, at Off The Top Cast. You can follow us there, tweet at us, let us know what you thought, you know, interact with us, and maybe we'll share you the code of the best, the fastest, and the coolest archaeologist in the podcast game. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.